freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 114 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. Well, we have been celebrating Father's Day today, and here on Gun Freedom Radio, we are always talking about the importance of legacy, and not only appreciating our forefathers, but also teaching and instilling their values into the next generation. We are that conduit and that bridge between the past and the future. And when you think of it, we are actually honoring our dads constantly with the things that we teach our children and our children's children. So I wanted us to just take a few moments and consider all the dads, soon-to-be dads, stepdads, father figures, granddads, and great-grandpas in our lives. If there is someone who you haven't connected with in a while, reconnect. Learn something new because our dads, our fathers, and our forefathers always have something they are wanting to teach us. All we have to do is listen and learn each and every day, but most especially on Father's Day. Well, each of our guests today are dads, and our next guest is Dan Waz, author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical, the book that destroys the anti-gun left and exposes all their lies and propaganda, and he recently published a second book, Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative. And he is a dad. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, Cheryl and Dan, thanks for having me. It's always great to be on your show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, you've been on both sides of this gun debate. When we've had you on before, we've talked about how for a while you were kind of buying into that whole, you know, anti-gun left narrative. So how much has your journey been impacted by being a dad and having a young person in your life who will carry on whatever messages you convey to him into the next generation? Well, yes, I was on the other side for a, a short time in my life, and uh, I always say I was hanging with the wrong crowd, and it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't people dealing drugs, it wasn't people <laughs> robbing banks, it was liberal anti-gunners. Mm-hmm. And so, but uh, fortunately, I came to my senses, and I, and I realized how important gun ownership is. And, you know, probably... The biggest impact on my journey has been my family and, and my son, my wife. It's the, the reason that everything changed for me with respect to guns. Because my job as a man, as a husband, as a father, is to protect my family first and foremost before anything else. And uh, there was a time in my life when I wasn't sure that I was able to do that. And um, so, you know, I am a gun owner. And have been now for a, a while and um that's you know they're the most precious things 
in my life. You know, it's my family, and that's mm-hmm. really what it all comes down to. It's right. taking care of your family, protecting your family. Right. So, so, so Dan, so how has it impacted? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's greatly impacted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did you? Uh, did it happen overnight that you changed, or what did it take for you to get to the other side? Well, yes and no. Uh, what happened was uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I shot guns with my dad, so I knew guns. I had a I had a foundation understanding um, how to use them, how mm-hmm. to clean them, how to shoot them, how to do how to use them safely. And but like I said, I was hanging with the wrong crowd in my twenties and and even into my early thirties and. Um, I kind of went the other way, and I started to believe a lot of the propaganda, a lot of the lies and the tactics and strategies that the anti-gun side of the conversation used. And that's the stuff that I talk about in my book, because at one point it became so clear to me that I couldn't deny reality, and I had to be honest with myself and look at that propaganda and all that nonsense um, and say, wait a minute, this this is wrong. You know, uh, guns aren't bad. Guns are good. And people can do bad things. So I had a, had a defining moment when my wife and I were, we had a little uh, run-in with a, with a guy, um, mm. and luckily we were okay, everything, we made it out okay, mm-hmm. unharmed, but it was just enough to make me realize how important it is and the responsibility I have to protect my wife. In that case, it was, at that time it was my wife. Um, so that's when everything changed. So in a way, I had the understanding from way back when I was a kid about guns, but in a way it did happen overnight. And sometimes it takes one of those profound moments, one of those impactful moments to make you snap into a reality and see things more logically. Right. You know, we've seen that so many times where people that did come from the other side that they had a terrible, tragic thing happen to them to get them to switch over. So it's fortunate that you didn't have to go through that. But did you bring anybody else with you? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, my wife is a, a supporter now, and she comes to the range occasionally. My son is uh, a better shot than me. <laughs> and um, so, so yeah, so it, it's important that, and, and my son and my wife see responsible gun ownership every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's something that has, I brought into the family. Uh, we... We understand it, and we have a healthy respect for firearms. And we also have a healthy respect for our freedom to own firearms, which is a big thing that I want to pass on to my son, and I want to you know, have him to pass on to future generations, because uh, in this country we do have rights, and we can't forget that. When, you know, sometimes people will try to step on those rights, and mm-hmm. I want my son to grow up and understand that if we don't defend those rights, uh, they could be gone forever. Absolutely. So as I, I mentioned in the lead-in, you've written two books now, both with the, the main title, Good Gun, Bad Guy. And so you, I see you going to these events where you're, you're set up at your table and you're, you're signing autographs on the books and selling your books at events and stuff. In real time, when you're in those settings, what kind of feedback do you get from people? Because when Dan said, who have you brought along with you, you know, from, from, uh, you know, maybe not seeing guns as um, tools of self-defense and and life-saving, life-giving tools, um, to now seeing them in that light, um, you know, it made me think about the people that you interact with at these events. Are there people that have come back and, and said, 
you know, you've, you've allowed me to think of things in a different way or are people angry? Why, why are you talking about guns? Like, what is your experience? Yeah. Well, a bunch of different things, but the most important thing is that people always say, I read your book, I have to get the second one because you're saying exactly what I've been thinking, but I haven't been able to put it into words. And that's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, my God, I am actually having an impact on a lot of people. Yes. And I always hope that my message is clear and, 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 it, and people take it, um, people take it in a good way. And, and they, most of them do. I mean, 99% of the people do, and they're very thankful that I wrote the books because nobody's talking about this stuff the way I'm talking about it. They're talking about statistics, and we're talking about gun rights, and we're talking about laws and all that stuff, which is all very important. But nobody's talking about the mindset of the anti-gunners and the anti-second radicals and what they're trying to do and their strategies and tactics and all that stuff. Nobody's talking about that layer of the conversation. So, you know, and it's, and it's funny because I'll go all over the country and different parts of the country you get a little bit of a different reaction. I go down south and uh, down Alabama and Arkansas and Tallahassee and some of these southern states, and, and they, they absolutely love it, and, and we have such a great time. The people are so wonderful. And, and then I come back up to my state of New York, in upstate New York, um, in Saratoga Springs, New York, and the mayor of Saratoga Springs unfriends me on Facebook. Oh! So, <laughs> wow! So this is the response. Well, there's a, Lock the there's message. a dramatic Don't. change. Don't are you going to live through that? Get in. Are you going to be able What's to live? That? Are you going to be able to live through that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the the point I'm trying to make is that it's so childish. Yes. That, and there's such a passion in other parts of the country for gun rights and for for conservatism. Uh, there's such a passion, such a strong, patriotic, free will, you know, you know, you know, way of life throughout this country but there are pockets mm-hmm. of very uh loud liberal, yes very loud, vocal. And, and loud and anti-traditional american view mm-hmm. it's a very ugly point of view mm-hmm. i don't like it i don't think it's good for our country i don't think it's good for our future generations but there are pockets of it and it's it's hysterical when you see something like that something so childish coming from someone who, you know, rep- should be representing all the people. Amen to that. Well, we've got to wrap up, but thank you so much for taking this time. And I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And just as we go out, please tell folks thank how you. they can follow the work that you're doing, uh, if you have another book in the works, and how they can buy the, the two books that you have already published. Well, there, there are a couple chapters started for, from the next. I don't know when it will come out. We don't. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but I do have more things uh, coming. I, I'm always writing um, articles on the Good Gun Bad Guy blog, so you can check that out. Mm-hmm. You can go to goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com, and that will be uh, uh, that'll have links to all everything, Facebook awesome. and. And Twitter, you can search me on Facebook and Twitter. My name is Dan Wass, D-A-N-W-O-S. And um, that's how I want to keep in touch with everybody. And, and uh, so, yeah, so that's basically goodgunbadguy.net. Fantastic. We'll definitely look that up. Um, 
Can't wait to have you back on again already. Dan Waz, good gun, bad guy. Have a great day. Thank you, Dan. Thanks and so after much, after my rant, I'll teach you how to be a better shooter than your son. <laughs> so listen on. Stay tuned, okay? I can use all the help I can get. Stay I tuned. Like I got an, an, right. an answer. Have a great day. Bye, Dan. All right. Well, stick around. We still have Frank Miniter coming up. Now, he's an investigative journalist. He's a contributor to Forbes, NRA's American First Freedom, and author of a bunch of books. But one of them is called This Will Make a Man of You. Very interesting. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Thanks for sticking around. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we are celebrating Father's Day today, having a good time talking to dads who are involved in all kinds of different things. And if you've missed any portion of the show today, please check out our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the On on Demand tab, and you can binge listen to your heart's content, all 113 other episodes that we have done over the years. And there's another tab, our guest tab, that you can click on. You can put a face to the voice 
there's a guest page for every single one of the guests who have ever been on our show with a bio and links to books they've written, articles about them, uh, anything that they're involved in. It's a really great resource, and we really value your time. It is your most finite resource, and when you spend your time with us, we greatly appreciate it. We value that. Well, our next guest, who is indeed a dad, is Frank Miniter. He's an investigative journalist, a contributor to Forbes, NRA America's First Freedom, and many other sites and publications. He's the author of several books, including This Will Make a Man of You, One Man's Search for Hemingway and Manhood in a Changing World. Welcome to the show, Frank. Hey, good to be here again. Absolutely. This is great. Now, you are a busy and prolific writer, and in the time it took me to introduce you, you probably published another couple of books, but uh, <laughs> you do have one new one that just came out that you co-wrote with a wounded veteran. I wanted you to talk about that real quick, and then I really want to spend some time on that whole idea of manhood and, and that Hemingway book that I just talked about. Yeah, with uh, I wrote the book with Greg Stubbe, uh, who's a retired Green Beret, and in he was in the Special Forces, I, I think, 18 to 22 years he was in the Army. Um, and he approached me on this thing, and his, his story is just, I mean, a year in the hospital. The first time I met him, uh, he was just out of the hospital. And he was actually drinking his first beer. Um, and he, he looked at me and said, you know, this is my first beer after getting out of the hospital, you know, after being badly wounded in Afghanistan. And I just, mm. right from the, the moment I met him, I was, I was blown away by him and, and just how he speaks and how he carries himself. And then the next time I saw him, he was speaking at the NRA convention wow. uh, where he had 30,000 people on the edge of their seats and in tears and then up on their feet uh, just applauding him um, because of this, this uplifting message he brings. So Conquer Anything it is that message and how to use the Green Beret skills that he, he learned through, through so much time. In fact, he, was even a, he even taught people to be Green Berets, um, how to use those skills to uplift all of us in our own lives, how to build our own A-teams around us and, and anything we need to do, whether it's business or it's personal life, um, in order to achieve things. Um, you know, he actually, what, I, what blew me away was really when I got to know him was that he had to overcome his own physical persona because as this tough guy, Green mm. Beret, he saw himself um, quite legitimately as one of the baddest guys on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. But then he was, he was blown up, burned, and shot several times, and a year in the hospital, I, don't, I, forgot, I lost track of how many surgeries he went through. And so that tough guy persona of his was literally blown away, and he had to refashion himself on a new kind of ideal, a new definition deeper down of who he really is, and that made him confront everything about himself. And that, that process he went through, then falling back on his skills and putting those two things together, just it became a riveting story and, and stuff that, well, everyone I talked to who's read or listened to the book is just blown away and in tears by it and, and uplifted and it just feels better after it. So wow. I, I'm, I'm very blessed to have worked with Greg Stubbe on Conquer Anything. Oh, I love that. And just even the way that you kind of led into that, that, you know, we take just those little things for granted like he's saying it's first beer I've had in you know god knows how long and you know we we just move through our lives and don't think about that was a that was a significant moment in this person's life not because he was cracking open a beer but because of what he'd been through he's still living he's still functioning and he's now you know able to just enjoy one of those small little pleasures in life um so I appreciate that. And if on your recommendation, he is definitely going to uh, be a guest in the very near future. I have got to learn more about Greg Stubbe. So writing is a very personal thing. And, you know, we have words that flow out of us from our experiences in our own personal lives. So how 
is being, how has being a dad impacted the topics that you write about or the style of your writing? You know, it, it takes you, because I have a five-year-old, and, and it brings you from, uh, you live in, a writer tends to live in their head too much. You interview and you get out there and you got to know how really things are, but you still end up living in a theoretical uh, more than you should. But, but having a child, you're, you're anything but in the theoretical. <laughs> you're in the practical and in the physical, uh, which is where good writing should meet. It should come from the deeper down stuff, um, but, but be something really relevant to us today, something really uh, empirically relevant. Um, so that, that's what it's really done for me is that constant every day, that check. Um, and it also makes you a kid again. Isn't it just fun to have kids? Oh, it makes you, you can it. actually be a kid again with your kid and maybe have the childhood you always wanted uh, while you give it to them. Um, and it, it also forces you, though, as a writer, to really think about the meaning, the story, um, you know, the things you tell them. We all live um, according to a certain narrative and a viewpoint on the world. And as Joseph Campbell, the, the famous mythologist, would put it, we all live according to certain myths, these stories, these ideas of what we are. And, and, and one problem that we run into today is, is this these pervasive attacks on manliness and what makes men. And so I'm trying to show him how to be a guy in a world that is no longer popular to be a man, or at least is denigrated too much in this society. When being a man should be an uplifting, noble, good thing. Being a gentleman, being that, that is anything but sexist. I think if a man has to put down women in order to prop up his own ego, well, then he's too insecure to be a real man anyway, right? So, it, so it's showing someone how to reach and, and, and build up to something else based on the practical stuff, like I mentioned a second ago. You put those two things together, and it, that's, that's really what it's done for me. Gosh, that's so true. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to live in your uh, theoretical world when, you know, kids, man, they just say it the way they think it. It's just, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Dan, bless his heart, he's, he's gotten a little little bit of a, a tummy over the years. And our granddaughter, who's three, she, one day she patted his tummy and she goes, oh, Papa, are you full? <laughs> <laughs> it's like. So now Cheryl uh, does it to yeah. me. <laughs> it's like, boy, that will just bring you right down to earth real fast. So, well, that that's better than my my father got. He was sitting on the couch next to my wife who was pregnant, and, and one of my sister's children po- pointed at my father and said, "Are you pregnant too?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly the same thing. That is, <laughs> I love it. Oh man, and wait till you get to be a grandpa. It is just infinitely i mean being a parent is awesome awesome but there's something about grandparenthood that it's called less responsibility yes it's fun (laughs) yeah the fun without the work yes no doubt so kind (laughs) of leaning back into the book that that i introduced it's called this will make a man of you um you know manhood and manliness are almost dirty words these days you know due to the pc culture of samanizing that's my word it's a word We'll make it a word, right? Samanizing everything. And words are indeed powerful, but overusing some and banning others does not magically make men and women the same. So talk to us about your book on manhood. Yeah, I chased Hemingway. And what I was trying to do was answer the deeper questions. Where is our philosophy? Because that's, that's honestly, that's what Hemingway was trying to do. He came out of post-war one, War one generation, the lost generation, as Gertrude Stein uh, deemed it, and he was trying to show the way back, really, to expats. I mean, didn't Sun also rises and some of his uh, other books. He was trying how to show them back to the old values, but how to make them relevant and new, um, how to find them again, to find that basis um, that's really being torn down around us today. I mean, to be a man is actually a, a very deep philosophy that goes back 
to, to antiquity. You look at each culture, and they developed what is the ideal guy, and often they had a, a mythological figure at the, at the head of that. And Odysseus, the, the ancient Greeks had him, uh, and, and so on. Roland is one of my favorites out of the uh, Middle Ages in Europe. Um, they always had a myth. Who, who should we be? Who should we stand up and be? But that myth is usually based on something big, something better, something pretty incredible. Um, but today, we, we no longer look at it that way. We tear it down. It's bad. You really shouldn't be a man. Even even you look at 1930s, 1940s America, you've got this, this and you see it in film, in the silver screen, if you go back to that period, which which I love, um, and you constantly see characters measuring themselves up, and what is their philosophy, and why are they doing what they're doing, and how are they doing, and that's really when kind of the gentleman persona flowered uh, here uh, in this country, and then started to get torn down in the, in the, in the Vietnam generation and so on. Um, the, 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 uh, this new liberal ideal of manliness is too strong and must be torn down there to thereby empower women, which is really the wrong way of doing it. Mm-hmm. A, a man sh- doesn't put down women in their ideal, and, and a woman shouldn't the other way. They're compliments to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you start to tear down one ideal, you end up with, well, a generation of lost boys is where we are today. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And if you have to shove down one thing in order to lift up another, your philosophy is all wrong, in my in my opinion. And we're, we're nearly out of time already, but um, just when you were talking about masculinity, this phrase hit my brain. It's like they're starting to really move the needle with the way that they phrase things just out there in, in the media. And you said masculinity, and my brain said toxic masculinity. Like, how, how twisted is that? How sad is that for our little boys that we're getting ready to raise up that the word toxic is somehow interconnected with the word masculinity? Yeah, and I've talked to some academics who are literally teaching toxic masculinity courses and I, I want to see what's, what are they actually teaching. And so I, I've looked at that. And it's, it's sick, twisted, weird stuff where they're, they're accusing any strong male of, of mansplaining and being uh, anti-homophobe or being anti-women and uh, misogynist and all these kinds of things um, it, in order to push the kind of diversity. But it's a kind of a sick diversity where it's never diversity of thought or opinion. Or, uh, it's only, it, it means that you have to only agree to their set criteria, mm-hmm. uh, political criteria, in order to be. It's like feminism today. It's an interesting part of that, where you have a strong conservative woman who starts a business, and whatever she does, she accomplishes all these things. But because she votes Republican, she's conservative, she can't possibly be a feminist mm-hmm. by today's unfortunate definition. It's the same thing with toxic masculinity. It's just attacking things in order to prop itself up. So sad. Well, we've got to run, but I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And I also want to, as we're going out, just have you tell people how they can follow all of your work and purchase all of your books. So you can have a whole library just purchasing (laughs) Frank Miniter's (laughs) books. Well, all my books are on uh, Amazon.com, and they're, of course, on Barnes & Noble and really wherever books are sold. You you can find me at frankminiter.com. And, you know, just Google me. I write for Fox News. I write for the NRA. I write for a lot of people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have an awesome Father's Day. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. We still have Mr. Stephen Sinetti. Steve Sinetti is the president and CEO of the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and Sammy, the Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute, coming up right after this. Hey.
Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. We are celebrating Father's Day today, and we have had an awesome group of dads. And one more, waiting in the wings. Mr. Steve Sinetti. Now, Steve Sinetti has served as the president and CEO of the NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation, and also SAMI, the Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Institute. Steve has a keen eye to the future and is involved in important initiatives such as Project Child Safe, the Step Outside Initiative, and a program aimed at suicide prevention. And Steve, as I said, is a dad. Welcome to the show, Steve. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Oh, God. How are you, Cheryl? So, so great. And Dan's here as well. Welcome, Steve. We'll, hey, Dan, how are you? Good. We'll try to let him get a word in edgewise, but no promises. No promises. Okay. <laughs> so, Steve, the firearms industry is a growing and thriving community. You wouldn't know it if you flip on the news, but you and I know it from the inside. So for those of us who might be new to the industry, tell us about the NSSF. Like, who should be a member? How is the NSSF different from other national organizations? That kind of thing. Sure. Okay. The National Shooting Sports Foundation is the trade association for the firearms industry. And we've been around since 1961. 
We have about 13,000 members, and they are wholesalers, manufacturers, retailers, uh, ranges, uh, conservation groups, outdoor media, and everybody involved in the actual business of selling uh, firearms, ammunition, and accessories. The, the example I use to differentiate ourselves from other groups are, uh, if you think about cars, and you have the Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Association, and you have the AAA. Mm -hmm. The Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Association represents the manufacturers and issues with Congress and regulation of cars and automobile safety and that sort of thing. The AAA represents individuals who own cars, and they want to get the benefit of the programs the AAA offers individuals. So we're sort of like the MVMA, and the NRA is more like the AAA. And oh, that, that's, that's kind awesome. of the shorthand difference between yeah. the two. That was very, um, a great way to clarify that. And plus, you guys put on the SHOT Show. So, That's you know, right. there's that. So, <laughs> Yeah, there is that. There, it is, it's the, it's the uh, ninth largest trade show in North America. It's the largest trade show in the world devoted to firearms, ammunition, outdoor sports, shooting, that kind of thing. And uh, we're very proud of it. And that's been around since 1979. And uh, it, it's, it's the place to be if you want to show off what your new products are in the industry. And that's where most companies uh, kind of make a big bang and splash to start off the year. Absolutely. And it's, you know, worldwide. You have representatives there from all across the globe. And whenever I am on that floor, it's just this massive floor with, you know, people build like entire buildings inside of there to display their wares. <laughs> I look around at the the Oh, just well-educated, highly professional uh, people from every walk of life all across the globe. I look at that room and I think, how on earth, if anybody from the outside were to walk into this room, how on earth could they vilify us in the ways that they do? I, I think it would, it would blow their mind and it would make it a lot it, harder you know, for them. It is interesting. Uh, we do occasionally have outside media come in uh, to look at the show. And uh, it's interesting. They, they, A, don't believe the size and the scope of the show. <laughs> yeah, but I then don't, B, and I've been there a bunch they, of years. Exactly. I mean, there's 67,000 people there. And, and, and if you spend, if you're, if you're on the floor show, uh, the, the show of the floor, every minute that it's open and you hit every booth, you can spend about 15 seconds in every booth. I mean, that's, that's how big it is. But when the outdoor, the, the non-firearms media go to this thing, the first thing they'll do is they'll look around and try to find the most frightening looking yes. thing they can and say, that's the shot show. And I guess yeah. that's, that's their point of view and they're entitled to it, I suppose. But it really is not a capture of the shooting sports and the firearms industry as we know it. So, so true. Steve, I go to the show with Cheryl and we go to the first booth and I walk away from her and I spend two more days walking around. I come back and she's still at the same booth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's because she's doing some work. That's, yeah, that's right. I I'm in depth research. That's what I'm doing there. It's the only show I can go to, and I need to take two checkbooks with me because I use them both, all oh, of them. It's, it's amazing. It is amazing. So Danny and I recently had the awesome opportunity of attending a symposium. That's a big fancy word, right? At the Cody Firearms Museum, where you were one of the speakers. And you spoke about the role of gun collections in museums in today's debate over firearms. And it's such an interesting and fascinating take on something that we don't think about, you know, because there's all these laws that have to do with guns. And just because you're a museum doesn't mean that, 
you know, you get to just toss a few in the case. You you still mm-hmm. got to follow all the laws. And and then people come in and they might be like shocked. Oh, my gosh, there's a gun in here. And, you know, things that a generation ago wouldn't have even occurred to us as far as the social angle. So talk to us a little bit about that that speech you sure. gave, that talk you gave. Well, I- Unfortunately, because of recent events uh, that we all are aware of, uh, the gun control debate now isn't about facts or technology or science. It's really about perceptions, uh, mm. culture, individual values, fear, mm. and, and, and individuals approach guns uh, based on their ideology, um, opinions they may have about violence, uh, the mass media, and their personal experiences. And so it's very difficult to have, a, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, a, a rational, non-emotional discussion of firearms and the issues around them mm-hmm. in, in the current atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So my, my take on this with the, with the museum curators, and we had them from all over the world, yes. from, from Europe, uh, you know, the Smithsonian, uh, Chicago, uh, California, uh, Washington, um, y- you name it, uh, Cody, Cody Museum in Wyoming where we were. Mm-hmm. The idea that I, I put forward was, look, um, in a museum, people go in there and they're generally kind of calm. They're, they're there to learn something. Mm-hmm. They're not there to pick a fight with somebody mm-hmm. or to be defensive about things. Uh, so I think in, in the calming atmosphere of a museum where blood pressure is normal and the rhetoric <laughs> is absent, I think it gives visitors some needed R&R in the culture war over guns. Mm. And you can see their legitimate role in society, both historically and currently, and, and dealing with guns as they are and how they've evolved. Their historical context as necessary tools to grow our nation in our history but also illustrating the present-day role in outdoor recreation, hunting, personal defense, collecting, and, and that crossover there between history and today, which is, is the collecting field. And I, I told the museum curators there that by showcasing the technology and development of guns and ammunition, they're looked upon as experts, and they're looked upon as sort of neutral observers as, as to guns, why guns are designed as they are, um, and how America's culture is wrapped up around firearms. And hopefully people leave that with a broader understanding of why people might want to own one or collect them or how they're used. I mean, you always hear this thing in the gun control debate, uh, who needs this particular gun for <laughs> mm-hmm. this particular purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, that museums can help showcase that sort of thing. And again, not taking a political position, yeah. not, mm-hmm. not taking a, a thing in the gun control debate, but just presenting information about firearms in a calm way to an urban audience where most museums are located that don't have the benefit of the outdoor experience that most recreational shooters and hunters have. So important to preserving the history. And, and, and just like you say, it's like the gun is, right? It's like you're not putting any value judgments on it. You're just saying here is this and over there is a chair. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, right. you right. know, and over there is a, a stagecoach and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, putting it in the same kind of context and allowing people to just observe and absorb. So I think that's mm-hmm. really great. So last week we were uh, on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, where you and the NSSF were holding the annual industry summit, one of my absolute have to go to events every single year. And you were speaking about some of the top-line strategic plans that the NSSF is working on in order to promote and protect and preserve the hunting and shooting sports. So 
these are very forward-looking programs. So a lot of people don't even realize that the firearms industry is looking forward and being very proactive. So, That's true. Yeah. So talk to us, please, about what those things are and what we've been doing as an industry and you've been doing with the NSSF to help prevent unauthorized persons even from gaining access to firearms. Right. Well, you know, we, we have a, a broad-based array of programs. As, as you said, Cheryl, our mission is to promote, protect, and preserve hunting in the shooting sports. Um, uh, unfortunately, when we're wrapped up in a lot of gun control debates, we have to devote a lot of our efforts to protecting the industry from unnecessary and, and ill-conceived regulations and legislation. But we also can't lose, and we don't lose sight of our mission, to help promote the shooting sports, to let people know the wholesome recreational opportunities that the shooting sports provide to get family and friends together. And one of the really exciting things that we just started last year, but we're expanding it greatly this year, is something called National Shooting Sports Month. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the month of August, the entire month of August. And the idea is to get ranges and retailers to help celebrate National Shooting Sports Month by getting customers to get into their store or to the range and try something new to introduce people who are new to the shooting sports. And we all know how, how, how excited people get when they actually go to a range and that fear disappears when they realize, hey, this can be fun and enjoyable. So we, we give various incentives to the ranges and the, and the retailers to get people to come into their store. And we have a lot of resources to, to get people involved and let them know that that's going on. And uh, your listeners can go to shootingsportsmonth.org to find the ranges and retailers near them. Uh, we urge uh, retailers and ranges to link to that on their website uh, at uh, shootingsportsmonth.org and have people discover how, how fun the shooting sports are and hopefully turn them into lifetime enthusiasts on this. As part of Shooting Sports Month, you, you've mentioned some of the things about unauthorized access. Well, uh, we also, as part of that, are promoting our Project Child Safe, and that's at projectchildsafe.org. Uh, that's a program we've had in place for, well, since 1999. And in Project Child Safe, we distribute safety information about how to safely use and store firearms when they're not in use. And to that end, uh, we have distributed in partnership with uh, 5,000 different law enforcement agencies in over 15,000 communities nationwide. During the last 20 years, we've given out over 37 million firearm safety kits for free Ooh. all across the country. And that's part of Project Child Safe. And, and the message of Project Child Safe is if you own a firearm, you obviously have a serious responsibility to respect what it can do and store it safely when it's not in use. So unauthorized people can't get a hold of it. And unauthorized people could be kids. It could be people who are going through some crisis in their life. It can be uh, burglars, obviously. Nobody wants their guns stolen, and nobody wants guns on the street from burglars who take them away from law-abiding citizens. So projectchildsafe.org is a way to show people there's all sorts of ways you can safely store your guns when you're not using them, everything from gun locks through lockable boxes all the way up through gun safes if you have a number of guns. So that's part of, of National Shooting Sports Month as well. 
And then finally, we have the hashtag, Let's Go Shooting, mm -hmm. uh, to talk about National Shooting Sports Month. And we're trying to get customers to actually use that hashtag to share their experiences on their social media networks like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter uh, to remind others to give Target Shooting a try. And they can win prizes at, at the dealers uh, and the retailers. It's a great thing to do. And as I say, we're really ramping it up from what we just started as a pilot program last year. And, and that's a number of things in, in our strategic initiatives. Um, the, uh, we're also, in, the, in this political climate, we are engaged in an industry reputation campaign we are, where we are running ads inside the Beltway and in more mainstream publications like, like CEO magazines and that sort of thing, reminding the, 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 the influencers, the opinion, mm -hmm. people who have influenced public opinion, that we do things about safety, that we've got safety information, that we've got Project Child Safe. We've got something called Don't Lie for the Other Guy to tell people not to try to buy a gun for somebody who's not authorized to, to own it, the so-called straw purchase and the penalties for it. We have something called Operation Secure Store to help retailers take precautions to make sure their guns aren't stolen from them and, again, ending up on the street. Uh, we've got a suicide prevention program that I sort of touched on briefly mm -hmm. that, that's uh, related to Project Child Safe. But basically the theme of that is if you have a buddy that you think is in trouble and is having some sort of crisis, talk to him about it. The theme of that is have a brave conversation. You will not make somebody more prone to suicide if you think that they are in crisis, but you certainly can help deter it if you talk to them, help them get some help, maybe even in, in, in a case where they really seem to be upset, say, hey, you know, let me, let, let me, let me borrow your gun and, and I'll take it home and clean it for you, and then when you get past this period, we'll go hunting again together. Mm -hmm. Things like that that we can all do to help prevent the misuse of firearms in so many different ways, and these are all pro programs of the National Shooting Sports Foundation that we're very proud of. That is awesome. We are actually a little over time, but I do want to just take a second before I let you go. And one of the things that we're working so hard against is this anti-rights rhetoric that's coming from some very vocal and very young people. I just wanted to ask you, because you are, you know, you're in this business, you are thinking ahead, you're good at communicating ideas. How can we communicate with younger people? That going after I'm, I'm, normal gun owners. I'm, I'm glad you asked that, Cheryl, because I think the way we can win this, and, and these thoughts are not original to me, but I really think they make a lot of sense, is we need to communicate to them not on guns or what constitutes a bad gun or a good gun or anything like that. They're, they're afraid and they're scared, and we need to, to talk to them about respecting gun owners based on values, mm. okay? In other words, uh, they value tolerance. They value allowing people, including themselves, uh, to, to go their own way in life, that mm -hmm. they don't believe in being controlled by government. No one has the right to steal their identity from them. Um, nobody can tell you, a third party can't tell you what's good for you, what, who you should associate with, how to live your life as long as you're not forcibly imposing your will on anybody else. Uh, it's nobody else's business to how you choose to run your life as long as you don't hurt other people. And 
political correctness and identity politics are wrong because they're trying to put people into a box that mm-hmm. denies them their individuality. And, and these are things they really treasure. So rather than argue with them about, you know, what are the characteristics of this rifle or who, what I use it for or any of that, just to say, look, your whole philosophy of trying to control the good people because you think some bad people out there uh, could be stopped by things you're proposing that really have nothing to do with what actually happened, please respect your fellow Americans who just want to live the life the way they are and not stigmatize them and not just say, you know, that to heck with you, you own a gun, you're bad, you're evil, you're, you're responsible for school shootings. None of that's true. And I think if you place the arguments in these terms and, and, and talk to young people in a way that respects the, the fact that they are concerned, but also have them respect the fact that we are not the bad guys here and should be left alone to enjoy our lives, just like mm-hmm. we leave them alone to enjoy their lives. I think that's the right way to, to approach young people. Beautifully said. That's, that's really, I think, right on the mark. Well, we do have to run, but uh, you have served our country in the military, and we thank you so much for your service. You are continuing to serve our country in these ways where you're helping to protect and preserve our rights uh, and to convey important and uh, logical, (laughs) logic-based messages forward. It's so needed in, in our world nowadays. And just well, add- I, I thank you, Cheryl, and I, my, my proudest job actually is being a dad, and yeah. so I wish all the dads out there a very happy Father's Day. It's the most important job in the world other than being a mother. <laughs> Amen to that, and happy Father's Day to you. And just very quickly as we're going out, tell folks how they can learn everything there is to know about the NSSF. <laughs> okay, anytime. All right, so NSSF.org, and Steve Sinetti, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Cheryl. Bye-bye. All right, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary. If you'll give me the time. (laughs) Coming up right after this. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And right now, it is time for our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. 
So responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense and 200,000 times a year a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we never hear these stories on the network news and we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Today's story is one of the rare examples that we did get to hear about on the network news. And it is fitting, in my opinion, for our Father's Day show because it is a beautiful illustration of how dads leap into action, behave as fearless protectors, and save lives every single day by being responsibly armed citizens. In the case of Stephen Williford, the hero of Sutherland Springs, who ran directly into danger's path the instant that he knew that his neighbors, who were attending their Sunday morning church service, were facing a murderer in their midst. Without even stopping to put shoes on his feet, this man responded to the immediacy of the madness and terror that danger inflicted on innocent lives that day. This man understood the wisdom of being his own first responder. He ignored the nonsense of those who would vilify the tools of self-defense. He realized that danger seeks out those who are unarmed, and he was aware that danger takes advantage of the element of sudden attack. This man, Stephen Williford, because he knows that darkness lives in danger's heart, was trained and prepared for such a time as this Sunday morning. Stephen Williford, with the exact same tool as danger used to take lives, was able to save so many more. All of the lives saved and spared from danger's evil plans are the direct result of Stephen Williford being a responsibly armed citizen. My daughter came into the bedroom and she said, Dad, there's a man in black tactical gear shooting up the Baptist church. Every one of those shots to me represented one of my neighbors, one of my friends. And I ran as fast as I could. Immediately, he came out of the church shooting at me. He hit the truck in front of me, hit the car behind me, hit the house behind me, and I hit him. He had an AR-15, but so did I. And it's not the gun, it's the heart. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. I'm, I'm not the bravest man in the world or anything, but I was here. I was here, and I could do something. And I had to do something. Well, that, of course, is an NRA video, and just, I mean, like you said, he had an AR-15. And so did I. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It is about the heart. So, very quickly, we have just enough time for Dan's commentary. Um. Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. James Brown has a new song. He does. Yeah. Finders Keepers, Losers Weepers, Got Me a Felony Charge. Heh. Ooh. 
A homeless man, not that it matters he was homeless, walks into a burger joint to, to use the restroom and finds a handgun. Hmm. He takes it and later is charged with a felony theft charge. What theft? the heck? Felony theft? Did he steal it? Is he lawfully required to turn it in? What about the officer who left it in the bathroom? An officer. Should he also be charged with a felony for not being responsible? Hmm. As James Brown's friend Marvin Gaye would say, what's going on? I, you know, I personally would try to get it back to the right person, but would I take it to the counter and give it to one of those young teenagers? Teenagers may not no. even be able to own it. Now, what or I do want what I do want to say is, if he was a felon and he took possession of that gun, now he becomes a felon too. Mm-hmm. Could have secured the area, called the police, whatever. Probably didn't have a cell phone. He's homeless, but they said that they found him and then he pointed to it in the woods where he threw it in the woods. So I don't know if he disposed it, got by getting rid, got scared and got rid of it or what. I just don't but know how he a felony stole theft it. charge. How is where's the theft so, part? So that made me go and look on the internet. You know how many guns are left in bathrooms? It's unbelievable. I'm going to start looking in bathrooms for guns. <laughs> That's a because, little side business. Well, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable, and you know we we want proper, yes, responsible yes, gun ownership. Yes, we really need that. But the the whole purpose is, I just don't think it should be a theft charge. No, I agree. How do you know who the gun belongs to? Right. Who do you turn it to? Right. Is the person you're going to give it to going to be responsible with it? Yeah. No, that is super interesting. Something to think about. All right. We have to run. What a great oh, show. Wait a minute. Dan was. I've got to tell his son how to be a better, oh. to be a better shooter than his son. Okay. So you get two guns. Give him a handgun. You take a rifle. Set the target out at uh, f- uh, 500 yards. You use the rifle. Let him use the handgun. You'll win. <laughs> nice. I like it. All right. We want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. Thank our tech crew, our listeners, our guests. Y'all are amazing. Thank you so much. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Okay. Even the ones you don't like. All right. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.
Hey, gang, this is Masad Ayub from the Pro Arms Podcast. I'm here to remind you that our podcast is a member of the Self-Defense Radio Network, and I'm going to suggest you do what we do and check out the other podcasts at selfdefenseradio.net.